We've been really looking forward to today uh, for some time. And uh, it's good to give thanks to God for the birth of uh, little Seth and to pray for him, to think about the amazing potential of, of a new life and our responsibilities as friends and family. And um, But a few weeks ago, I, I was reading the Bible in my own personal life. Um, last year and this year, I've been following a plan that means that, it, uh, it, it effectively means that you read the Bible in a year through. I did the same plan last year, I've repeated it this year. And a few weeks ago, I was reading the Bible and happened... Uh, to be in the Old Testament, reading about the birth, another birth, this time, of a great king. And I, I remember reading this a few weeks ago and thinking, when we dedicate little Seth, this would be a great verse to think about. And I made a little note in my diary, and uh, I'm glad I remembered, because I'm getting older and forget things. But um, this uh, birth is the birth of a great king in the Old Testament called Solomon. And um, here, shall I, shall I do it? This is what it says. This is 2 Samuel 12, 24. The, the rest of it says this. Then David, another great king in the Old Testament, comforted his wife Bathsheba. He went to her and lay with her. She gave birth to a son and they named him Solomon. And then it says, the Lord loved him. I just thought, what a great and simple yet profound idea this is. The Lord loved him. It's a great thing, isn't it, when a child is born into a family where they're loved. I know that Nick and Claire love Seth very much. And what about Esther? And Isaac and Eve, they have a new little brother, and they love him too, for now, until he gets big enough to annoy them and steal their stuff. And, um, but what an amazing verse this is. It's not talking about the parents, it's not talking about the siblings. This tells us that God himself, the Lord, loves little ones. He's not too busy to have time for them. He isn't too high to notice them. He isn't so powerful that he would crush them. He isn't too distant to care for them. The Lord loved him. I just want to say three things about Solomon very quickly. Um, Solomon grew up to be a very famous king. Uh, some of you know this. Solomon in the Old Testament was said to be one of the wisest kings who ever lived. Uh, some of the books in the Old Testament are written by Solomon. The book of Proverbs is written largely by Solomon, not, not completely. In the autumn, we're going to do another sermon series in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Most people think that that was written by King Solomon. Twelve chapters, we're going to look at that in the autumn. Um, and there's a famous story in the Old Testament of two women who had babies who came to Solomon and one of the women very sadly lost her baby, the baby died, and she pretended that the other lady's baby was her baby and they had a fight over the child. And the two women come to King Solomon, 
And they both give an impassioned speech. The baby's mine. No, it isn't. The baby's mine. And Solomon sits there and he says, bring me a sword. Let's cut the baby in two and we'll give half to one of you and half to the other. And of course, the mother, whose child it was, said that she can have the baby. And the one whose it wasn't said, no, no, that's fair. And Solomon said, now I know which mother is the real mother. Great wisdom. He was famed for his wise advice and counsel and rule. But there's a lot in his name as well. Um, the name Solomon comes from the Hebrew word for peace, which many of you will know is the word shalom. It, well, I, when I learned that, I thought, I'm going to say Shalomon or sh- sh- Shalomon. It's like, that, that's where the name Solomon comes from. His parents named him to be the kind of king who would bring peace, who would establish and maintain and rule the nation in a way that would lead to peace. When our kids were younger, we used to have an ironic little prize for what we called the Peacemaker of the Week. And our kids used to compete for this prize. Once a week, we'd sit down around the kitchen table. Nick and Claire catching us up. We have five. They're, they're catching us up. But they, they, would, they would debate who's been the Peacemaker of the Week. We had to stop doing it when they started fighting over <laughs> who was the peacemaker of the week. But um, peace is so important, isn't it? So, so here we have a baby being born, and we're told here that Solomon was greatly loved by God. The Lord loved him. He, 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 he was intended in a sense and he did in his life bring a lot of peace to many people in the nation and he was greatly loved sorry I already said that didn't I I I, I was going to tell you there's a prophet who in in that verse there's there's a prophet Nathan who comes to the mum and dad and says to them that's a lovely name Shalomon but give him another one he can have two name him Jedidiah and the name Jedidiah in the Hebrew means loved by the Lord two names very beautiful so greatly loved he brings a lot of peace and he was very wise here's the thing for all of you here today if you want to know what you could pray for young little Seth you could start with this couldn't you Pray that he would be wise, that he would be a peace bringer and maker, and pray that he would know that he is also greatly loved loved by God. Great place to start. But there's more to this story than meets the eye. The whole of chapter 11 in 2 Samuel, this verse is in chapter 12, the whole of chapter 11 and 12 are one story really, about David and Bathsheba, and it's pretty sordid as a story. And I think one of the things that that means is that this particular birth is essentially a reminder and a sign of God's forgiveness. So 
One, one writer I came across says that this episode in the Bible in the Old Testament has echoes of the Garden of Eden. Solomon's father, King David, you, you could see him almost as another Adam. God put him in a great place. He promised him great things. He gave him great responsibilities. It, it, it's as if God makes an, a, a lasting agreement or covenant with David. In fact, God promised David earlier in the Bible, we, we haven't read it, he promised David that he would establish an everlasting dynasty. Imagine God saying that to a king. Your throne will last forever. Your dynasty will never perish this is what it says in 2 Samuel 7 verse 16. God said to David, your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Imagine that, your family and your throne and your kingdom and your dynasty lasting forever. And of course there, David understandably replies to God with great humility and goes, wow. <laughs> David says to God, who am I? Who, is, who am I and what is my family that you've brought me this far? It's a massive wow. But like Adam, in the Garden of Eden, David fell, in a sense, from this high place. Despite the privileges, the promises God gave him, he sinned terribly. In these two chapters, he, he did things he should not have done. We, we might, if you know the story, we might even say that like Adam, he tasted and took the forbidden fruit. Instead of loving and trusting God and his goodness, David counted all of that as rubbish. And he did some terrible things. Now, th this is a happy occasion. And we, we don't need to go into all of the sad and tragic things that happened in, before this point. What, what I want us to see this afternoon is that in, the, in this verse, we are looking at a surprise. We're, we're, we're looking at a good surprise. David's sin was not the end of his story. This verse on its own tells us that God is willing to forgive great sins even more than that I think this birth of Solomon it, there's almost a sense in which it represents a new beginning for this little family despite David's failure God brings new life right on the edge of death despite David's horrible unfaithfulness God acts to faithfully keep his promises the tale of David and Bathsheba is one where they cause alienation and pain and loss. And yet we find here that God doesn't somehow act in anger or judgment, but in mercy and grace and kindness. They didn't deserve it. They perhaps didn't expect it. But the Lord loved him. Another writer I came across said, Every time 
David and Bathsheba looked at Solomon. His very presence reminded them that God had forgiven their past and guaranteed their plans for the future. The Lord loved him. Rob alluded, I was grateful to Rob praying. I'm aware, we're all aware, some of us are painfully aware that many couples experience sorrow in relation to children. In actual fact, in this chapter in 2 Samuel, there is a loss in this very chapter. It's not our purpose to explore this afternoon. I wish we could, in a way. But I, I just mention that because I don't want anyone to draw wrong conclusions here that, that losing a child is somehow a sign of punishment from God. That's not the point we're making at all. I'm making the more general point here that in this particular case, this particular birth is a surprising sign of God's forgiveness because of the way they behaved prior to this happening. Lastly, I just want to see what this story points to. A greater king, the greater king. What about God's promises to David, Solomon's father, to establish his dynasty forever? Was that a lame promise? <laughs> um, the amazing thing is, when we get to the New Testament, we find that this story appears in a family tree. We don't need to turn to it, but you know at Christmas time, sometimes we, we, we never read this chapter at Christmas time because it's just a list of names. Matthew chapter 1, the first chapter in the New Testament, is a genealogy, a family tree of Jesus. And in verse 6 of Matthew chapter 1, we read that David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah, that is Bathsheba. So somehow God worked this sordid mess of a story into the ancestry of his son who was to be born in the future. And there are a lot of echoes of Solomon in the life of Jesus too. Remember we talked about the wisdom of Solomon, the peace of his reign and the fact that he was loved by God. We're told explicitly that God the Father loved his son. When Jesus began his public ministry, he was baptised in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And Matthew tells us in his gospel that as soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and John saw the Spirit of God descending on Jesus in the form of a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The Lord loved him. You, it's almost as if the father puffs his chest out with pride. Pride, Look at him. Isn't he amazing? I love him. My son. We're even told in the Gospels, though, that Jesus was wiser than Solomon. Elsewhere in the New Testament, we're told that Christ has become wisdom from God for us. He is our wisdom. 
And we're also told that Jesus is given the beautiful title. There's lots of titles for Jesus in the Bible. One of them is, he is the Prince of Peace. Rob read it to us from Isaiah chapter 9. We have to read it at Christmas. Let me read again to you. These words are written 600 years before Christ was born. And the prophet says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. <laughs> Makes me want to say something rude about politics. The government shall be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Peace. I think I had these words on here, actually. There you go. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And I do love the last verse. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I love the fact that everything that's said there by the prophet will be accomplished by the zeal. Another word for that is enthusiasm. Do you think of God being enthusiastic? This is a word for passion. The passionate enthusiasm of God himself will accomplish this. Not the goodness or greatness of David, not the goodness or greatness of Solomon, not the goodness or greatness of any of us, but the desire and will and energy and passion and goodness of God himself. God is passionate about his son being the true king. But perhaps the greatest surprise is that while God sends his beloved son to be born into the human race, yes, in love, yes, in wisdom, yes, to bring peace, the first thing he needs to do is to take away our sin. This baby, Solomon, was a sign of God's forgiveness. Jesus being born as a baby was not a sign of God's forgiveness. He is the means of achieving that forgiveness. His birth is not a picture of something. He was born to achieve something. And I, I want to say to you this afternoon, every other good thing that we enjoy depends on this very good thing. God speaks to us and he tells us that we too, all of us, like David, have fallen. All of us are sinners. All of us are people who, despite our privileges, 
do not love God as we ought to love him. And yet, in spite of our sin, God in his great and yes, passionate love has reached out to rescue us from judgment and to reconcile us to himself through his son being born to die in our place. This is the consistent message of the Bible. It's not that popular, but it is good news. One of the disciples of Jesus called John tells us that Jesus appeared so that he might take away our sins. When John the Baptist one day saw Jesus walking down the street towards him, he cried out to the crowds around him, Look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And later on in the book of Hebrews, towards the end of the New Testament, we read, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not this time to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus is the greater king, who was born to die to pay for our sins so that we could enjoy a new relationship with God. We don't deserve it. It's a gift. So as we celebrate and give God thanks today for the birth of Seth, we can also give thanks and celebrate the birth of Jesus, God's son, our saviour, and as we pray for Seth, that he'll grow up to know and love and treasure the Lord Jesus, I, I, I want to urge all of us to do the same, to turn to him and receive his love and forgiveness and the promise, like David and Bathsheba knew, of a completely new beginning.